You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Check out their spring collection. Go to LinkSoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to NestBedding.com. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. I get accused on this program, and I guess I'm a little different than a lot of people that I've worked in other sports. I worked in the NFL for years. I've worked in the NBA. I see how I've been in those cultures. I've traveled in the NFL. I've traveled in Major League Baseball. So I've been fortunate to cover the big three. And so I'll, I'll talk about the other sports. And one thing that has always driven me nuts is how we look at young players and we're so fearful of what's going to happen with young players if we bring them up and they didn't have this many innings in the minor leagues and they didn't have this many at-bats and everything. Well, you know what? Right now, and the A's hadn't promoted a guy from A to the big leagues in a long, long time. How about Mason Miller? It has just been announced. I know a lot of A's fans have been following his career because the guy is big. He throws really, really hard. He's 6'5". Uh, he's had a lot of injuries, but... 11 games he's pitched in the minor leagues. He's only started 10, 28 and two-thirds career innings in the minor leagues. He's here, and he's starting tomorrow. I think this uh, could be uh, the beginning of a trend. I don't know if it's the beginning or the middle or wherever we are on the trend, but I think it could be part of a trend in baseball. A, a farm director once told me, if my minor leaguers, if my minor league pitchers have major league pitch grades on their pitches, why are they in the minor leagues? And this is part of, as we, as we get better at measuring process and we can tell you that, oh, your pitches move like this and do this and do this, so they're going to play, then why are you in the, in the minor leagues anymore, you know? If I can tell you, like, as a batter, your bat bath is good, your, your, bat deci- your swing decisions are good, you know, it doesn't even matter that you're, what you're hitting. It, like, you could be hitting 210, and if I can say you hit the ball hard and you're making the right decisions and you play defense well, you should be in the major leagues. So I think we're going to see teams do a little bit more of that. No different that I go and draft you out of the university of whatever in football, whether you're in the SEC, you're in the Big Ten, Pac-12, Big 12. You come in. You may not start right away, but you're going to play. You're definitely going to be on special teams. I'm bringing you in to play. I'm not going to have you sit in some minor league system for years. NBA, the same way. Like, bring these guys. It's like – you got guys who are better sitting in the minor leagues where you're trying to justify an archaic system. You're wasting the time. You're wasting the bullets. You're the, wasting. Let's go. Bring them up. Let's go. Compete. And, and definitely where the minor leagues are headed is fewer minor league teams, fewer minor leaguers. Like, we just know that. We, they just had a CBA with the minor league uh, union, and it reduced the amount of players that every team is allowed to have in the minor leagues. So the the pressure, and we just this is on the heels of them reducing the amount of minor league teams that team that teams have. So we're, the the pressure in the in the sort of direction we're going with minor leagues is fewer minor league teams, fewer minor league players, better ones, 
better treated, better pay in the minor leagues. But if you have fewer minor league spots, that's going to push pressure on guys to put them in the major leagues. And this is the other thing to think about it. We're talking about an absolute, I mean, you want to talk about archaic system. The minor leagues, they really don't have quality weight rooms. They don't have quality training staffs. They, I mean, their stuff is terrible. Do you these, know how often they flood? These guys are I, going I hadn't from. I have known this so recently. These guys are going from college baseball where their data is better, their training's better, everything's better in college baseball. We go to the minor leagues and they all tell you it's way worse. So it's like, what? If you have a team like the A's that's not winning, it's better to have a guy come up and learn and be treated far better. The coaching is better. better. The food is better. Everything's the better, better up here. Yeah, Why I, wouldn't you want him up here versus <laughs> you're having him someplace in Texas or somewhere in the middle of nowhere on some minor league stadium? That's st- These old minor league stadiums, they're cute, and we have the beer batter and all the different things they have, but they're, it's so archaic. They're, they're horrible facilities. I had a I had a dinner recently with a, a bunch of former players, and – uh, the amount of stories they had that started or ended with floating, you know, sewage uh, was really surprising. There was a lot of floating They're still sewage. playing at San the, the The Giants are still playing at San Jose Muni where they've been playing baseball, minor league baseball at San Jose Muni. For, I mean, George Brett played there. For, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's so long. I played there third San Jose State. What do you think that weight room looks like? <laughs> it's all. I, I was just recently there. It's so archaic. I played there 30 years ago. San Jose State, that was our home field. They're still playing there. Yeah, yeah. There, there was a football team. Bill Walsh, you want to talk about how old San Jose Muni is? Bill Walsh coached a football team there, right. and it was AstroTurf. That's how old this facility is. <laughs> Would you rather have guys in the minor leagues, or would you rather have them here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's still – Especially if you're not trying to win the division. <laughs> still, still, uh, yeah, you got to balance it. There's always, you know, people thinking about win cycles and I want to, you know, keep this player under team control for longer and stuff. But, it, you know, sometimes it's, you just want the best for the player. You want the player to be the best he can be, and a lot of times that means coming up to the major leagues. Another thing that happens in the major leagues a lot is um, people talk – like the major leaguers talk with you. So you'll have a veteran on your staff. And I used to make fun of this when I was a blogger. We used to talk about veteran presence um, as like, you know, a thing that didn't really exist, but it does exist. And it really almost manifests the most in a bullpen session or in a, out in a bullpen or, or as they're shagging flies, the pitchers out there. When they play catch, I was just talking to uh, Taylor Rogers, who's over in the Giants, and he said he taught his sweeper to Stephen Wilson and Luis Garcia in San Diego. That, that year, Taylor Rogers was not very good for the Padres, but he taught two really good pitchers better pitches, and he did it in catch play. And he said, just try this. You throw it in catch play, and you say, wow, that really moves, and then you take it to the bullpen, and then you take it out on the field. So that is going to happen more likely at the major league level where you're talking to major leaguers who have made these adjustments in the past and can teach you, oh, this is how I throw my sweeper. And, you know? and I checked in with Dallas Braden because I think he's a great example. Like when you're going to do something like this, when you bring the guy up, whether he, whether he, well, if he succeeds, we know how that goes. But if he fails, got to allow him to fail. You got to keep him here a little bit. It can't be this up, down, up, down, up, down. What we did oh, with Matt Olson so back in the day. Stress on every single inning. Yeah, bring in the him up. Or the Mason Miller, bring him up. Bring whoever you're going to bring up. And we're, we're we're we don't have a stress environment about winning right now. Bring him up. No matter what happens, continue to let him pitch every five or six days, whatever it's going to be. Leave him here. You let have him a learn. Limited amount of innings with him anyway. You know what I mean? It's not like you're going to let him throw 200 this year. No. 
I mean, he's 228, right? Yeah. That's <laughs> so, what you said. So if you've got 75, you know, Sandy why not? Al- Sandy Alcantara <laughs> just walked through that <laughs> door. Right. So if you want to get 75, <laughs> you know, and that'd be a good year, then let him be up here where he's going to get the most out of those 75 innings. All right, let's go around baseball. You mentioned the Padres. I, I, looking at the notes today, I mean, we're still looking about how bad Juan Soto is. He's hitting 111 at Petco Park this year. The numbers have been bad. Everybody keeps saying, oh, this guy's all-time great. All-. And you're like, wait a minute. We now have a more of a sample size of some serious struggles here. Now he's complaining that he doesn't have over 20 seconds in between pitches and to do his thing. The pitch clock is messing with him. I mean, at what I'll point? Give him, I'll give him two things that are real. There are two things that are real that I know are real that may be contributing to the struggles. One. The ball was deadened uh, two years ago. Major League Baseball announced they were deadening the ball. What that did is kill the opposite field home run. He was an opposite field guy. He's a let the ball travel and, you know, hit it to the opposite field guy. Uh, And so that really did hurt his power. That's one real thing. The other real thing is that the hitters are having a harder time, I think, with the pitch clock almost than pitchers. I think there's a lot of hitters who are having a harder time with it. That eight seconds that you got to get in the box – we're talking now about so many different mitigation strategies. Andrew Bagley wrote a piece about uh, J.D. Davis. He takes time out the minute he steps in uh, for his plate appearance. He takes his first time out. He takes it right away because he doesn't want to be sitting there getting ready, getting ready, look up, bam, pitch. He wants to control. It's all about control. Right? Yeah. You know, so he wants to control the tempo. So he says, you're going to wait for me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a time out. You're going to wait for me to dig in, and you're going you're gonna to wait. I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to get comfortable. And then I'm not going to move after that, you know. So uh, there are these the hitters are learning different ways to deal with it, and I think I will give Soto some of that. He's getting How used long? to it. Yeah, I mean, then there's the third thing, which is there's always noise, and maybe he's just getting unlucky, and maybe it's just a bad stretch, and he's going to have a good stretch, you know. But there, there between the, like, you know, power's out in front, and he's a let-it-travel guy, and, and the opposite field homer is dead. That That is – detrimental to his approach and so he needs to like look at his teammate Trent Grisham used to be a let the travel ball travel guy uh and this year he's being more aggressive and getting out in front he has as many homers I think he's this in those first two weeks as he had all, like in all the second half last year or the first half last year so um there is something about aggression and seeing the ball but also getting the ball out in front that he needs to find that new toggle but um I, I think he's a really quality guy he was on a hall of fame trajectory I don't think that you know, two weeks of hitting the 111 mean we got to push the panic button. But it's it, it's it goes back to when they traded for him. It wasn't good either. So we'll, we'll see. May Machado's gotten out to a slow start. Tatis Jr.'s coming back. We'll see how that works for Bob Melvin. I said to Vince Catroni, if I could give you a golf club, and I said, when you swing it, you'll get it in the fairway 95% of the time, how much would you pay for that golf club? He said, I'd pay anything for it. Well, that, why do I bring up 95%? Stealing third base right now. In Major League Baseball, wow. this year is ninety-five percent, and you know what they're and you know what and we're now tracking leads, which is great. Now the leads at first base are bigger, uh, yeah. the leads at second aren't. So I think players are not comfortable yet for getting way off second. 
Doesn't matter. So it could even go They're up. They're stealing third at 90. I'm looking at the percent. Right now we're we're just over 82% Why clip. Why would that be? For stealing, just sitting second base, that's it's 82%. Yes, third base, third so base we were, is 95. We were already pushing. So with the science of it, and I just talked to Nico about this because he, he has those steals. And, you know, the science of it now is you know the pop time of the catcher. You know the time to the plate of the pitcher. And there's a whole swath. There's, a, you, know, a, you know, maybe a, a tenth of the pitchers you're never going to steal on because they're just super fast to the plate right yeah and then and he said it's always off the pitcher and, and a tenth of the pitchers you're always going to steal off of Noah Syndergaard because they're super slow to the plate and then in the middle you have to find your place what we had been doing is sciencing it up so far and you know we get we we had pushed it to 76 77 78 percent which was the most uh, the highest percentage in the history of baseball last few years anyway that's without the new rules. So now pushing that to 82% doesn't surprise me so much because the base paths are, are shorter and you have you have a limit on how many times you can throw over. So that makes sense to me. The the, the other one doesn't. The this third base thing doesn't make sense to me. 95. I know that's it's like that's 94. So, I'm rounding that up. Is, it's 94 or something. That is so high. That is that is almost guaranteed success and I, I there's got to be something in the rules or, or something that explains it, and I don't have it off the top of my head right now. A lot of moves are being made around here. I'm not gonna. I'm not trying to break anything. It looks like though, obviously, a move's gonna have to be made. It looks like. I don't. I don't know if it's for sure yet. I'm kind of being informed. It looks like one of the relievers will be going on the IL. I'm gonna wait to, until it's official. I'm not trying to break anything here, but obviously, you got to make a move. What will that move mean? cap people thought about caprellian who it's a start tomorrow um but it looks like it's going to be a reliever that is going to go the corresponding on, move for mason yeah it looks, looks like it's going to be a reliever i just i gotta get uh uh clearance this could be this could be that. the ideal rotation to have a six-man rotation <laughs> Because they have so many young guys that are trying to figure it out. They don't have a lot of innings for all of them. The, one of the reasons you don't do a six-man rotation is you have studs at the very top. You, like, why would you do a six-man rotation in, in New York and have fewer starts from Verlander and Scherzer? You know what I mean? Like, you want as many starts as you can from those guys. But here, I think with a young rotation the way it is, I think that this would be a great place to do a six-man rotation. I got numbers on Cody Bellinger from the last two years to this year. It's early. Cody is swinging it more like the Cody Bellinger we, we remembered when we said, wait a minute, this kid's an MVP. He's the, well, we used to talk about it. he could be the next $200 million contract. A lot has changed <laughs> <laughs> since that time. But now we're talking about Otani being the next $500 million. I mean, the last two years he had a buck 93. He yeah. was terrible. He's swinging it better, five for five last night. I believe he's going to make this series. He's hit a ball. He hit a ball harder. I don't know if it was last night. But he's hit a ball harder recently than he hit in the last two years. Yeah, I think it was the home run down in L.A. in right field. Yeah. Um, he, he's, he and his girlfriend are about to have their second child, so oh, he could that, be. That's going to go on the tank. He's going to be, he could be leave, up all night. He could, he could leave at any time. But <laughs> I think he's going to be here for the next two games. But, I mean, Cody Bellinger, if Cody Bellinger gets back to close to what he was when he was the MVP, looking at this Cubs team, they feel they're feeling. We we got we got a little insight on the Cubs today, dealing with them. They're feeling it right now. They have a lot of confidence. But Cody Bellinger may be the steal of the offseason. Yeah, he's really looking. I looked at his contact rates too, and uh, he always swings at high pitches. But he's had that problem with an uppercut swing that he misses the high pitches. This year, he's making contact with the high pitches. So I think there's probably uh, health going better. That's what you see with that 109. You know, getting back to that max 
uh, exit velocity, but also something mechanical that he figured out. So in, in between those two things, I think it'll be a really good year for him. And what I can say for the Cubs is they look like a more complete team than their competitors uh, in, in the Central. You've got the Cardinals, who I think have uh, uh, some problems on the pitching side. They have a good lineup again, but on the pitching side, they were a team that allowed too, much, too many balls in play. And with the shift the way it is, it's not, it's not working out in their favor. Uh, they, they were third last in strikeout rate last year, the Cardinals. And then the Brewers always struggle to put a lineup together uh, that, that scores runs. So, uh, and they've had some injuries now with Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff hurt. So uh, there's a chance here for the Cubs to sneak in and take that division. If people remember down in spring training, we well, when you were in Florida, one of your hits was from a Rays game. You were at the Trop because yeah. of the bad weather. Uh, you saw some good things, so I, I, I'm sure we all, we knew the Rays were going to be good, but I don't think you're surprised by their hot start. No, not really. I mean, one of the things that needed to happen already happened. I think Wander Franco is ascending into kind of star status, maybe even superstar status. He's he's a, a guy who's patterned his game after Jose Ramirez, and he plays shortstop and is starting to hit like Jose Ramirez in his peak. So I think that's a really important thing for them. And then they got bad news today in Jeffrey Springs being yes, hurt, yeah. but um, they are the type of team that has always a next man up kind of mentality. Taj Bradley is maybe one of the best three pitching prospects in baseball. They're, he's the guy who's going to come replace Springs. And then they got a guy named Tyler Glass now who's uh, getting ready to, to start pitching off the mound. So, you know, I think that they just have such a group of players that they're always like, hey, half our guys are going to get injured, and we got these other half that are going to come up and produce. Do you have any major surprises to start this season, whether it's in the numbers or just teams, individuals? I think the Cubs are a pleasant surprise. Uh, and uh, – uh, I, I don't know. I, I you know, it's still pretty early to, to make any proclamations about what's going on. I, I do think that um, I think that a lot of the stuff that we said uh, ahead of the season is proving to be correct. That the stolen base uh, numbers would be a, a huge increase with the rules, and then we're also seeing that offense is is big up. Uh, because of the shift rules. Is and, the ball a little different? And uh, the drag is down. The ball is flying more than it used to. Um, and that is something that is meaningful in small samples. So I don't know what that means. Though. So I could bust out my X-Files music and I could go <laughs> all conspiracy on you. I did that one night. Well, I, I, but that's too many toggles, man. You you allow them to run crazy on the base paths. You change the shift rules and you change the ball. You, you're liable to, to have uh, every game go 7-5. Well, oh, God, I, I don't want to bring up the gambling aspect, but uh, <laughs> most A's games have gone over. Yeah. Most A's games have gone the over. I just know that from oh, that's, my, that's... My, my gambling guy in Vegas. Is like, hey, do you realize, I think it was going into yesterday's game, I think the A's were 10-5-1 hitting the over, over, and then you look at last night's game at the over. That's, that's, the, that's uh, the betting market trying to get used to what the new run environment is, I think. you got to get used to it. But we knew ahead of the time, I said on the show, that uh, analysts told me that it would be one run extra per game due to the shift. My whole thing, why I think it's a conspiracy is, and it's understandable that baseball would be a little bit worried. We've got all these things going on, whether they're going to work or not. We know we know deep down they're going to work, but what if they don't? At least if the ball's flying out of the ballpark, everybody's yeah. happy, right? <laughs> you got to so, keep the homers going. So, my, that's like, it's like, did we, and that is the problem, like, in, in all these other sports, we're not questioning what kind of puck we're using. We're not questioning oh the football. God, we're not crazy. questioning the – why do we continue to question what baseball we're using? 
You know, part of it is uh, is sort of insane because there is a lot of batch-to-batch -batch variation in, in the baseball. It is the only one that is handmade out of all the things you've said, you know. So there's always going to be some variation. I mean, the puck is just rubber. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, you can just have some machine, Frozen rubber. Some machine just stamp that out, right? That's going to be the same. NHL. Yeah, NHL. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So uh, that's always going to be – that's going to be a source of noise. And uh, going back, I think the home run explosion in 87 was due to a ball change. So, like, there have been changes in the past. Some people think that some of the, st the steroid home run explosion could be due to a ball change too. So the, this is a thing that we now can measure precisely – and so we are more up in arms about it every year because we can measure it precisely. Yeah. But it has been going on for a long time. All right. We normally wouldn't have you to lead off the show, but we had to get you out of here early. What are you doing tonight? Oh, God, you're going to make me admit it on air. I'm going to a fish show. Going to a fish show. And I'm going to a concert in Berkeley. That's where I'm going. Oh wow! Thank you for 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 spitting me in. <laughs> how many how many deep are you gonna be before Fish even uh, takes the stage? Well, I threw my back out, so I'm definitely gonna go have a beer. <laughs> <laughs> you threw your back out? Uh, I'm trying not to wince right now. That bad, huh? Yeah. I was You're not on the IL. You're still performing. Yeah, that's right. I'm battling through it. So Fish will be a bunch of uh, middle aged. Yeah, right. Isn't that what a Fish concert is these yeah, days? Yeah, yep, yep, yep. yep. <laughs> Thanks for that jab. <laughs> I do listen to young people's music sometimes. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on your weekly show. I mean, it's an honor to have him. I mean, he's one of the top columnists in baseball for The Athletic. It's great to it's have all the insight. And uh, field work, we got to get something going here soon. We got to get right. it. We, we, we got to. Leandro, we're going to get it done. We got we to get Maybe going. Maybe on this next uh, road, road trip. Have a, uh, have, a, have a fun time at the concert. Thank you. Will you please play the man? Oh, wait a minute. How is the sand? The sandwich was made up of what in New York? A sandwich is now named after him. That's right, the knuckleball, although, you know, not named after me, but I spent a year making it. And uh, this is going to sound gross, but it was great. Uh, it was uh, uh, a braised pork knuckle head cheese that we then uh, breaded and fried. And what happens then is the gelatin inside, almost like a soup dumpling, a zalong bao, uh, when, you, when you put gelatin inside and you heat it up, it turns into soup. So basically, we had like a soup cutlet. It was crunchy on the outside, and the inside it was kind of like a pork soup. And we put some uh, tomato sauce around that and put it on ciabatta. So good. Oh, I'm in. Yeah. I'm <laughs> in. <laughs> where, where that's in New York? Yeah. <laughs> we got to do an A's, A's Cast Live road trip to New York. You know what? We've got a, we've got a road map now. I'm going to go to Fieldwork and be like, hey, let's do a special food. Let's do a Can special Can they send drink. it out to us? Well, no. I'm just we'll do something new with field work. We'll, we'll you and I will come up with a we'll come up with a, a, a sandwich. Deal. The great Eno Saris. <laughs> Play the man's outro. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight tap room locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 